0: Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit HelloFreedomChurch.com. Well, it is good to worship with you this morning. So good to praise the name of Jesus together. My name is Jared, one of the pastors here. And this morning, I just get the honor and the privilege just to share God's word with you. just want to give a special welcome to our Crookston family. Uh, hello to you guys out there in Minnesota. Let's just give a welcome. To you. I don't know if you can hear it, Crookston, but we're celebrating you and clapping for you. So thanks for being uh, tuned in and for everybody tuning in online as well. As if you've been around this, uh, this month, we've been kind of diving into global impact this month. And so we're going to continue just studying God's word and, and just what God has for us individually and as a church. And so I was thinking this week, and I want you to think with me what, what do you envision personally? What do you envision? Let's say if God were to do a mighty, mighty work among us here at Freedom Church. Now what do you have in your mind, what it would look like if a great revival was birthed out of Freedom Church? You know, with the kinds of things that people read about or write about in a hundred years. Something that God did that started in one specific spot but just touched the whole world. And what if God birthed that in Freedom Church? What do you have in your mind? Just kind of maybe close your eyes or just kind of think, what do you envision that looking like? You know, What would be an evidence to you that that is happening? And I would guess that we all would have a little bit different of a picture in our minds of what that means, a mighty move of God. But I would guess it falls into one of two major categories. And the first is just dynamic church services. You know, where we are feeling the presence of God, the presence of God is among us. So maybe we have, some of us have in our minds, just a picture of a Sunday morning or some service where people are just crowding the altars up here, just being touched by the Lord, or there's just expressive worship to God, people being touched by the presence of the Lord in worship, or, or just the messages are being powerfully embraced and felt by, by people. That's probably one area, one category that a lot of us would, would think about, a mighty move of God. And another broad category that I'm sure a lot of us would also think about is something we probably call uh, energized community impact. And that would be where we would take, uh, just by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, what we have to the community. Maybe you have in your mind things like witnessing or talking to your neighbors or strangers or your family, inviting people to church, or, or maybe ministries being birthed in our community, You know, maybe new churches being planted or missionaries sent out. Maybe the hungry being fed, the poor being helped, things like that. By the power of the Holy Spirit, people just walking in that that community impact or outreach. And so I would label those two broad categories, the first one being broadly labeled as worship. This encountering the presence of God, worship. And the other big broad category being what we call mission or the work that we would do outside of this place. And to be honest, sometimes I struggle with thinking like you have to choose one or the other. Rather right? you have to emphasize or put your energy and your focus toward one or the other. Like somehow they're mutually exclusive and we always got to choose what we prefer. Almost like we, things that don't go together, kind of like the, the labels being introverted or extroverted. You know, we individually, we as a church, we, I struggle sometimes thinking we have to choose of being introverted and just focus on when God meets us in worship or being extroverted or we, we think about the impact that we're making on the community. And I don't know if you ever struggle thinking that way, but as I've thought about and prepared for this message, I really have a confirmation in my spirit that we don't have to choose, that it's not a one or the other in your personal life, or us as a church. In fact, those two things, worship and mission, are actually so interconnected, you actually can't have one without the other. So other than being you have to choose one, it turns into you actually can't even have one without the other. They're so interconnected, and they actually feed into one another. And so what I'd like to do this morning is open God's Word, and just to get a a heart for what God is doing in us, and just to to have that life that has just that perfect mixture of worship and mission. And so to do that, why don't we open up God's Word? If you have access to the Bible, God's Word, open up to the book of Matthew. It's the very first book in the New Testament. And we're going to be in chapter 28. We're going to be in the last couple verses of Matthew 28. Fairly familiar passage. If been around church for any portion of time, but it was all, it was new to all of us at some point, right? Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, it'll be on your screen as well. Now this is after Jesus was resurrected, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so, maybe the header in your Bible, we often call this the Great Commission Commission, meaning just going great sending out. And that's why this passage is popular or well-known. is because of that element to it. But as I studied it this week and as we look at it, it's actually the commissioning part is only half of the story of what took place in these passages. Only half of the story, even though it's the more well-known part. I want to take a look at the other half of what was happening in these passages. So let's look back at verse 16, just to get a little bit of the background. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And so this is a callback earlier in the chapter. I won't have it on the screen, but if you have it in the Bible, you can look back to verses 9 and 10. The mountain to which Jesus had directed them. How did Jesus direct them to go to this mountain and why? As you may know, when Jesus was crucified, he was buried. And then when he was raised up, the first people to see him were were women named, both named Mary. The Marys came to see them and they saw the tomb rolled you know, away, the stone rolled away from the tomb and, and verse nine is kind of where that story picks up. It says, and behold, Jesus met them, the Marys, and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. So he gives them a commissioning after they had encountered him to go tell my brothers, the disciples, the 11 apostles. Judas obviously had abandoned them and, and went his own way. But the 11 were there and he said, Go tell them to meet me at, in the mountain in Galilee. And so in the Gospel of Matthew, the apostles hadn't seen Jesus yet, they hadn't seen his resurrection yet, they hadn't seen him. And So then we pick it up in verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them through the witness and testimony of the Marys. And so now we're kind of getting a backdrop here. As far as the Gospel of Matthew is concerned, they hadn't even seen the resurrected Jesus yet. And verse 17 happens. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. That is such a small sentence, like words-wise. But just think of the immensity of that moment. These women named Mary came and told them Jesus is alive. I mean, your worst, worst day of your life, all of a sudden given a, a, a breath of hope. He wants to meet you in the mountain in Galilee, and you know the one. Okay, so they were in Jerusalem. They pack up, go to Galilee. A lot of anticipation, a lot of I don't know what's going on. And they see him, and they worshiped him. I mean, I don't think I can really understand the enormity of that moment. I mean, have you ever seen, the, what I can probably picture the closest being, Is you ever seen videos of, of men and women who are on deployment in the military, and they come back and surprise their family? You know, a child at work, or you know, a wife, or a husband, or whatever. And doesn't that just bring you to tears every time? It's just, wow, talk about just that moment of just not knowing where they're at, not expecting to see them. And now picture if they had even passed away in service. And then they saw him. I and mean, we can't even imagine this kind of moment. And we get was, and they saw him and they worshiped him. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so picture, picture that moment. That is just unbelievable, unbelievable. That is an encounter with God and they worshiped him. I don't know if that was like they they sang one worship song and that was it. I bet that was hours just hugging, crying, worshiping at his feet, just this prolonged thing. So what we see happens before the Great Commission is actually the great encounter. Encountering the living God like that. The Great Commission has in its background the great encounter. Seeing Jesus, seeing the risen Jesus, having that just shake you to your core. God is real. You've had those moments. God is real. God is here. God is speaking to me. The great encounter led up to the Great Commission. It's kind of like worship and mission the Great Encounter, the Great Commission, almost like a rock and the ripple. I grew up on a lake in South Dakota, and so I threw many a rock into a lake. (laughs) And what happens when you throw a rock into into a stream or a lake or a body of water, that there's a ripple effect, right? So there's an encounter with a rock to the water, and an exchange of energy from that encounter rippled, and it's very satisfying not only to see the rock hit the water, but it's also very satisfying to see that moment prolonged as the ripples go across the water. And a very still day, it can take just a tiny pebble to make a ripple. And it's very satisfying to watch the ripples prolong that moment as far as your eye can see. And you know what? Water is meant to do that. If you throw anything in water, it ripples. Small rock, a big rock, it has a ripple effect. And that's what our life is supposed to be. When we encounter God, there's a ripple effect. The energy that happens in an encounter with God is supposed to be transferred as a ripple across our life. And not only does it make the encounter satisfying, but it, prolonging that encounter in the ripple is also very satisfying. But you know, there's only one type of water that doesn't ripple. The only kind of water that doesn't ripple is frozen water. I've, tri- I've experienced that. <laughs> many, many winters, there'd be big rocks on the ice <laughs> that we had to navigate around when we were ice skating because you just want to break through that ice. And even if you can break through it and it, there's a rock that goes through the ice, the ripple is very anticlimactic. And so for us, what's the condition of our hearts? Are we open to the ripple effect this morning? Are we open to what meeting God this morning would mean when we leave? Because if we're closed to it, it'll not only short circuit what God wants to do, but it could even cancel out the encounter God wants to have with you this morning. There could be a boulder of encounter and worship that God wants to heave onto your heart, but if your heart is closed to what it could mean outside this place, it will just stay on the surface and just do a thud. And God couldn't even encounter you in the way he would want to if you're not open to what it would mean outside of this place. Man, but a heart that's soft to him, even the smallest pebble of encounter, will make a ripple effect in a meaningful worship for him. And so worship and mission are interconnected like the rock and the ripple is. And I remember one of my, I would say, best evangelist, personal evangelistic efforts in my life, at least to date. We'll see what God does after this service. But to date was when I was in college, I just had it in my heart that I wanted to, I think I was transitioning away from uh, college. I wasn't graduating, but I was fulfilling my last year online, but I was moving away from the campus that I was participating in. And God just birthed in my heart that I want to I go to the students, my fellow students in the union, and I just want to tell people about Jesus. I don't want to mix words. don't want to be around the bush. And so my plan was I'm going to go and just go up to people while they're studying and just say, do you have five minutes? Do you want to take a break of studying and I can tell you what Jesus has done in my life? I just have him say yes or no. <laughs> and you know what? It was so awesome. It was so life-giving to do that. And God birthed that. And you know where he birthed that? Is when we were in our college ministry. We met on Sunday nights. And I was in worship, literally in worship at, the, at our student ministry. And just remember thinking, God, this is so good. I remember God saying, would you do anything I asked you to do? I said, Absolutely. And he just birthed this. Just go tell your fellow students about Jesus. And you know what? It wasn't like a, oh, how could you? It was like, yes, that's the greatest idea I've ever had. It felt so good. Like, of course I'm going to do that. Worship birthed mission. It was in that encounter. Like, God, this is so good. My heart was open to whatever it would mean. And then for the next ensuing weeks, every day, we would go to the student union and just say, hey, do you, you want know, to take a couple of minutes of study break to hear what I have to tell you about Jesus? And 90% of the students, maybe 95% of them said, sure. And I just remember that as being just the most energized, fulfilling time of my ripple for the Lord. And so it's this morning, what, is our heart open to what it would mean outside these doors? Now, it might not mean going up to total strangers and witnessing them about Jesus. It might be that. It could be a ripple effect more closer to home. What does it mean for you to be selfless and to serve your husband or your wife today, this week? Or your kids? What does it mean to give and to serve people that you know or you work with or you study with or your roommates? What's the ripple look like? Are we open to that? And if you're open to a ripple, that means you're open to a greater encounter with God as well. And God has some clever ways of doing that in us. I was talking to a friend of mine a couple, maybe months ago, and he was at work, just at work, and he, one of his coworkers was talking to him just about just the troubles of life. Didn't necessarily work in a Christian environment, but he was a Christian, so does that make it a Christian environment? I don't know. Uh, but coworker co-worker was talking to him about just the troubles of life, just the darkness in, in her life, and, and this friend of mine is, is very prayed up. And so he's very vigilant to what God has to say. And you know what came out of his mouth in response to that coworker's vent session to him? You know, we can try to fit in all sorts of transitions to talk about Jesus, right? But I love what he said. I said, It's such Holy Spirit. He just said, You know, I don't know about you, but I just give all my hard things to Jesus. Isn't that a great answer? What a segue! Isn't that something that's like birthed out of your own experience of Jesus? I don't know about you, but I just give my hard things to Jesus. I say, when we're open to that kind of stuff, God has a way of just using us as an overflow of worship, worship and mission. And so as we look back to our text, verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. The great encounter. Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, go. It was a genuine, real encounter. And so Jesus is making the ripple genuine and real as well. Go, therefore. And so what is the mission? We spent all last month, January, really talking specifically about the encounter in Seek, Seek Month, Seek Week. And so what's the mission? What is the focused ripple effect? And that's really in verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, So what's the mission? The mission is making disciples. Okay, what's a disciple? My definition of a disciple is someone who worships Jesus above all. Not worships Jesus alongside of other things, but who worships Jesus above all. When you get to a point where you say, Jesus, my Lord and my Savior, and you worship him above all, you're now a disciple of Jesus. And so the process of discipleship, you might heard that big churchy word, discipleship is where we take that worship and try to spread it around all of our areas of our life. You might come here on a Sunday and worship Jesus with a true heart, but the rest of the week, it's kind of spotty. Some of our life might be given to ourselves or even to the devil or to the world, but discipleship is about spreading that singular worship across all areas of our life, in our relationships, in our giving The words that we say and what we watch or listen to, what we do, all of that to align with the worship of Jesus above all. That's the mission. That's the goal, is to bring this worship and plant it in someone else's heart and then grow it until it encompasses everything, all of their life. So what's the motivation now to do that? What's the motivation for you and I to go, and I believe it's this, the motivation to go do that obviously is the ripple effect of our worship, but the motivation is to see the name of Jesus worshipped across the world. To see the name of this Jesus worshipped more in Grand Forks and in Crookston. To see more people add their praise and their worship and their submission to this Jesus. To see it spread from this place to our families, to our friends, to our neighborhoods, to our region, our country, and the world—just to see the name of Jesus worshipped to a greater degree—to spread out more across the world. Man, you know what? I love this verse. Why don't you put up Malachi? You don't have to turn here. It's the last book in the Old Testament. But look at this verse. Look, this is God speaking. I just think like, I was so hit by this verse this week. Malachi 1:11 this is God speaking, for from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Amen. Amen. Man, don't you just feel that in you, that God is saying, My name will be great. I will be the greatest name in the whole world. The greatest source of strength, the greatest source of provision, the greatest source of admiration and trust. My name. Man, God has a zeal for His own name, for His own glory. He will not share it with anybody. And man, that's our heart. God, that you would use me to make your name great in this place. Check out this verse, Romans 11, verse 36. This is the New Testament version of that. It says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Everything came from him. God spoke and it was. Everything came through him. Jesus was the word and everything returns back to him. In worship and glory and praise. To Him be the glory forever in every place. Amen. And so, do you see how without a dynamic encounter with God, the ripple effect can be kind of lacking? Maybe our motivations can be mixed or we can lose our steam and get burnt out. But with a dynamic encounter with God, the ripple effect just seems to be an added layer of worship. I just try to point people to him. Worship fuels mission. If we close our hearts to what the ripple might mean for us, we close our hearts to the encounter. You know, I was thinking about this in relation to a birthday party. You might be surprised to know that. (laughs) Well, we just had a birthday party for one of my kids, and we celebrated at Northern Air which is a great place for a birthday, in my opinion, whether you're young or old. And there were kids there that weren't a part of the party. But there were kids there that were a part of the party. All the kids there enjoyed jumping around. All the kids there enjoyed playing. All the kids there enjoyed the laser tag. All the kids, no matter if they were in the birthday party or not, enjoyed the things but only a select few were there to support and celebrate one person. So, if you were to ask a random person who wasn't at the party, why are you here? They just say to have fun. But if you ask someone in the party, why are you here? Well, I'm here to, su- to support and to be here for my friend. And I thought, you know what? That, that's what life is like. This whole thing called life, it's God's party. He created us, He created everything, it's all His. And do you know what the crazy thing is? Most people aren't living it for him. And do you know what you call somebody who's at a party, not for the people that you're celebrating? Party crashers. (laughs) If you're not living for the glory of God, if you're not living to celebrate Jesus, you're crashing the party. (laughs) We're all here. We all enjoy the things of life. We're all enjoying our life and things that we have in it, but only the people that have been given their life to Jesus are living it in support and celebration of the one who is it all for. I don't want to push the analogy too much, but at Northern Air, you can also reserve like a little room to have like a birthday party at, like the presents. That's what church is, church is the party room. That we reserve to come and celebrate him officially, and we go out amongst the world and continue to live for him. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what we want to see people to go from living for themselves, living just to have fun, living to do whatever, to say, I'm now living to support and to celebrate the one who created me. This whole world is meant for, who's it all about? It's his party and to spread the name, the great name of Jesus across the whole world. Make disciples of all nations because my name will be great among all the nations. Let that worship, that desire to see God's name fuel our efforts. And so I have three specific things I want to close with. How worship changes who we are. How worship changes what we do. Three things. Worship changes how we give. Worship changes how we serve, and worship changes how we pray. Again, worship changes how we give, worship changes how we serve, and worship changes how we pray. First, worship changes how we give. When you see Jesus and you get aligned to who he is and who we are in relation to him, we see that our resources and our money are actually opportunities to invest In promoting Jesus in the world. So when we give to church, when we give to other ministries, when we give to missionaries, we're actually using the money we have and investing it in promoting the worship of Jesus. We see our money as not just an end to satisfy our desires or our wants, we can see it as an opportunity to invest in spreading the great name of Jesus through missionaries or ministries or people who are doing that. We see it as an opportunity to invest in the worship of God. And that's why we give. That's why we do it, to see the work of Jesus spread across. And you know, there's a lot of people that give, Christians or non-Christians. You know, there's a lot of companies that give a lot of money to charities. And for whatever motivation, you know, that's for the Lord to decide whether it's just to have a good public image or actually to help people. But even the highest The highest virtue of why someone would give who's not a believer in Jesus is to help somebody else, and that's why we give too. We want to see the needs of people met. We want to love on people, but what's different about us, what's different about a Christian or a believer is that we have an even more fundamental motivation. Not only that people would be helped and blessed, not only that their needs would be provided for, but that God would get the credit, that people would see a generous God who's able to meet their needs through a variety of means and give an ounce of praise and worship and thankfulness to him. We have a, a deeper layer to say we want God to be given the credit. We want somehow to make a worshiper out of these people that we're giving toward or that's receiving it. It changes how we give. It changes why we give. It changes what we give to when the motivation is to see the, the name of Jesus spread. And so not at, not at this moment, but in a, in a couple minutes, the ushers are going to pass around this. It's a pledge card. We do this every year. And we just want to give an opportunity for people who really feel like, I want to invest in what promotes the worship of Jesus. And just, and just a little bit, not right now, we'll give out this card, and I'll talk through it a little bit more, but an opportunity to say, I'm going to invest in the people that are promoting the name of Jesus and the worship of Jesus. So that'll be coming in just a little bit. Changes how we give. It also changes how we serve. And in the same way, we want to serve people for their benefit. We want to help and bless and love on people. You know, but there's a lot of people that do that. There's a lot of people that, you know, rake, you know, shovel sidewalks and help at soup kitchens and, and do all these things. And we want to help them and bless people. But you know what? An even deeper motivation is to say, we want to make a worshiper out of this person. We want somehow, some way, that they would acknowledge that what we're doing is in a direct response to what God has done in us and that they would see a generous, benevolent God and come to know him. That we would somehow link arms with God to bless other people and have that create a worship, a gratitude, a thankfulness in their hearts for the living God who spurred it all on. That other people don't have that motivation except those who are bought and redeemed by Jesus Christ. As was mentioned earlier, you do have this card. We passed it out last week and this week. This is the Global Impact Serving Week. So this begins our Global Impact Week, and all these different opportunities are just serving opportunities. You can look at a a number of them. If you're in Crookston, or even if you're here, Crookston is having a Super Bowl party tonight at Oak Court Apartments, just to rub shoulders with people and watch the Super Bowl. We have different opportunities to to serve meals Tuesday, Thursday, different uh, donations on Monday. So just this is this is a chock full week of opportunities to serve and to rub shoulders with people that man maybe there'd be a chance to just tell them about Jesus or tell them why we're doing this and turn their attention to the Lord. You might think, well, how does watching the Super Bowl at Oak Court Apartments change someone's life? How does serving a meal at the mission or at La Grave, how does that change anyone's life? And you know what the crazy, beautiful answer is? It doesn't on its own. And that's why we pray. That's why we pray. Because on our own, these efforts don't do any more than the efforts of the world to point people to Jesus. But with God, they do. You see, our efforts are kind of like a Christmas tree. You know, we just passed through the Christmas season only like a month and a half ago, even though it seems like a year ago, right? We went through Christmas. But when you get a Christmas tree, you put it up, but nobody leaves the Christmas tree as is. You don't really get the Christmas tree because you think a Christmas tree looks good. You get a tree in order to put the ornaments onto it. And so our efforts to rub shoulders with people, to shovel sidewalks, to to serve our neighbors, to, to serve meals, to do these service things, our efforts like that Christmas tree uh, on its own, it's pretty bare. On its own, it's unadorned, and it's not worth much, but our prayers are for God to put the ornaments on top of it, for God to give us the opportunities to speak while we're doing it, for God to open up the doors, God, for, for God to plant something in people's hearts that would then turn into a worship of the Lord. See, what God can put on top of our efforts are beautiful, amazing, things that we can never do, and together, The tree of our efforts and the ornaments of God's efforts, it's a beautiful, worthwhile thing. But you also don't get ornaments without a tree. And so they need both. And so this is why we pray. That God make my life effective for spreading the greatness of God's name of Jesus' name across my neighborhood, across the world. When I go watch the Super Bowl Orcoat apartments, when I go serve people a meal, when I go do these different things, God, I pray that you would make it effective somehow, some way to open a door to give you the credit, just to point people to you. And just like I talked to you about my friend, it can just happen in a moment. You weren't planning it. I give all my hard things to Jesus. That's a perfect opportunity of God putting an ornament on just an otherwise barren effort. And that's why we pray. That's why we have these opportunities, but that's why we pray that God meet us there and make the impossible of what we can't do on our own possible with your efforts. Worship changes how we give, changes how we serve, and changes how we pray. So this time, I'd love to invite the, the, the Grand Forks band. If you guys want to come up, as well as the ushers, you can come forward. Crookson band, you can hold on just a second. But as I said, the, the ushers are gonna pass out these pledge cards in Grand Forks and in Crookson as well. And ushers, you can begin passing those out. And so while they're passing it out and while the band is getting set up, I want us to explain this a little bit. And so you, this card has two different sections, the top and the bottom, as does, I suppose, everything. Uh, but what we want you to do and what my wife and I will do, what us pastoral and the staffs will do, is we take this home and I want you to pray over it. Pray over what God is leading you maybe to give or to invest in the kingdom of God. And what this giving is, this is alongside of and on top of a normal rhythm of tithing. And so when we tithe to the church, whether it's weekly or every other week or monthly, those tithes go to things like keeping the lights on, keeping it warm in the winter, uh, paying the staff. Those things don't go away. So that's what kind of tithes and offerings go toward. But things like these extra efforts are on top of that because we don't want to replace keeping the lights on with sending out missionaries, right? We want to do both. And so when you go home and you pray through this, man, just ask God, God, what would you put on my heart to do? And there's a couple options, weekly, monthly, one time. And on the back, if you notice on the back, is all the different missionaries that we support as a church, local missionaries, stateside missionaries, and then world missionaries. And that just goes to all the efforts of what they're doing. On the website, there's kind of a, a same list. There's maybe some links that you can go to their websites. But what we'll do is you'll take this home and just pray over the course of the week. And then next week, we'll collect them. And how we'll collect them is you can see there's a perforated edge here. If you kind of fold it, the bottom part comes off. If you fill that out. This is what you'll hand in, whether it's the you know, to put it in the offering uh, boxes in the back next week or bring it to the church. The bottom part is what you return to the church. The top part is what you keep on your fridge or you keep in your Bible or whatever to remind yourself of what you pledged and then to get an opportunity to see the missionaries and the missions work that we support as well. So take the whole thing home, pray over it, return the bottom portion and then keep the top portion for yourself. But as I said, no effective ripple effect, no effective mission can be done without an encounter. And so I'm actually going to ask double duty of the ushers this morning to come to the front. They're going to also pass out communion. Let's just take a moment. Let's just, can we just celebrate the ushers this morning? Can we just thank the, for the ushers? These guys do awesome work. You probably see them every week. Uh, they do just a great job of taking care of everybody. But we're going to take communion. And may I quick grab one, Ryan, from you? I don't think I have one and an opportunity just to reflect on what God has done for us and for you personally. That if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that this is a moment where you can reflect, and the and band can come up at this time as well, what God has done for you, you personally, the body that was broken, the blood that was shed for your own soul, and the worship that it produced to the great name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray, and the ushers are going to pass out the communion elements. If you want a gluten-free option, you can ask them. They can supply that for you. But we're going to pass out the elements. The band is going to kind of begin a song for us. And and just use this time to really reflect on what God has done in your own life. Let's pray. Father, I just get so excited. I'm so excited, God, at the idea of, of adding worshipers, adding people that would just say, God did it. God is my Lord. To add people that would give credit to you, God, rather than to themselves or to other things in life, that say, no, God is the reason to be praised. So Father, I just pray that now that you would just meet us personally. You'd bring to our remembrance what you've done for us. And God, that you would energize these efforts to see your great name spread across this land. We love you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.